0: brethren, Brother Bob here again. This is part two of my podcast topic called Just Saying. First of all, I want to thank the thousands or so of you who faithfully follow these podcasts. If you love truth, I know that you're blessed by listening to them. I'm also blessed by hearing and by sharing the truths that the Lord reveals to me. And I'm doubly blessed by having this podcasting opportunity, which allows me to share those truths with the church. Over the years, I have found just a few Christian churches who truly are interested in having someone teach the deeper truths of God's written word to the sheep. These podcasts give me this amazing opportunity to share the wonders of the truths of God's word with people all over the world. Sadly, but not surprising, because for the most part, the Church of the Living God has become very biblically superficial. Very few of the millions who profess to be born again children of God are really interested in having someone teach them stuff that forces them out of their spiritual comfort zone. Now know that there are many believers out there in the world who are sincerely trying to do the right thing in God's eyes. And praise the Lord for their faithfulness. But brethren, please, please, please remember that we all need to follow the church instructions that the Lord has put in his written word if we want to truly be doing things in ways that please the Lord. Spiritual sincerity that's not coupled with biblical truth, is simply religious gibberish in the eyes of the Lord. Christ said, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And those of you who do not keep my commandments do not really love me. I absolutely believe that because I do love the truths, all kinds of truths, the good Lord has revealed them to me. Brethren, I don't claim to have the intelligence of a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon. The truths that I share with you about the scriptures come from me diligently studying God's word and diligently seeking after truth. I very seldom verify what I believe to be God's biblical truths with other Christian writers books or online videos and I don't do that because I don't want the views and opinions of men regardless of how biblically wise and mature they are influencing my own thought processes. When I desire to learn the truths of scriptures I simply open up my study Bible and Make sure I have a Greek and Hebrew dictionary and concordances on hand and trust that the spirit of the living God will guide my mind as we journey through the scriptures together. Side note, one thing that verifies to me that I'm on the right path of the Lord is that very few believers agree with what I share. They loved Christ when he fed them and when he healed them, but they hated him when he started teaching those around him what they needed to hear and not what they wanted to hear just like those Old Testament prophets. Brethren, a person doesn't have to be super intelligent to see and understand biblical truth. They simply must desire to know truth, and that God promises that he will deliver the goods. It says in Jeremiah 33, verse 2-3, which are very familiar per- verses, it says, Thus says Jehovah, who made the earth and who formed it to establish it, Jehovah is his name. Call to me and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, brethren, I'm aware that I'm not always going to say the right thing the right way. If you're a preacher of God's word, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Many times my mouth says something different than what my brain is thinking. Many times things just don't come out the way I initially intended them to. However, many times I purposely bring the spiritual hammer down, and I mean exactly what I say and the way I say it. And those times when I do speak boldly with a rebuking voice, those words are always directed at cowardly compromised church leaders or cowardly compromised mature Christians who know the right thing to do. Again, many times I will say stuff that might be clear to me that is totally confusing to you. Again, my intentions for these podcasts is to be a biblically true, spiritually discerning teacher of God's truths. A long time ago, the Lord put a burden on my mind and heart to share his New Testament truths for the church in similar fashion that the Old Testament prophets did for God's children back then. And that means that many of you are not going to like what I have to say. Those Old Testament believers wanted the prophets to tell them nice stuff, stuff that would tickle their ears, stuff that would make their spiritual lives comfy and cozy, as in the spiritual lives of most believers in America today. Well, I can promise you this. If you're hoping to have your ears tickled by listening to my podcast, you're on the wrong channel. If you want your spiritual ears tickled, go listen to preachers like Joel Osteen or the Reverend Cephalo Dollar or Mike Warren. Sadly, the Lord knows that most of his people are not being taught anything beyond the basic truths of scriptures in our local churches these days. As a believer who loves the truths of scriptures more than my wife, more than my job, more than my family, more than my church buddies, even more than life itself, I know that there will be a crown of life handed to all believers who stay true and faithful to God's written word for the church until death. The Lord told the believers in Smyrna Bible Church to stay faithful until death, and I will reward you with the crown of life. That crown of life is one of the rewards that faithful believers will receive at the judgment seat of Christ. Brethren, in my podcast, I quite often share that in eternity, it's not how you started your new life in Christ that's going to matter to God. It's how you finish the race. What's going to be relevant to Christ at the judgment seat is how well you fought the good fight. And if you faithfully finish the race. I've been through a lot of my walk with Christ. I've given up many things that this world and many in the church cling to. Because my love for the Lord and the truths of his written word are much more fulfilling than what this world has to offer me. My license plate reads remnant. Brethren, I don't have that plate because I think I've arrived to some mystical, magical, supernatural level that's far and above all other believers. I have the name remnant on my license plates because I want the world to know, and I want God's people to know, that I'm committed to serving my Lord until I go home. Now, if you are a true remnant believer, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a remnant believer, then because of what I share, you're going to see me as being arrogant and or prideful. Now, striving to be a remnant believer does not mean that I'm any less a sinner than all other believers. Being a remnant believer does not mean that I say and do everything right. However, if you consider yourself a remnant believer, that means that you are dedicated and committed to faithfully following Christ according to the truths of his written word for the church, no matter the cost. Trust me, brethren, tough times are coming for the faithful believer. Look out your church windows. You see what's going on in today's evil and moral world? This evil world is trying to destroy any Christians who speak out against abortion or homosexual marriages and sadly even sexual perversions. Brother Bob is foretelling you that it won't be long and that big, evil, powerful anti-God of the Bible government is going to come for anyone who takes a public stand against the immoral sexual perversions of the LGTBQRSTV social groups. You see what's going on. If America's perverted government system is going after unsaved conservatives for simply exposing big government's lies, don't you think that same perverted big government is going to go after faithful believers who speak out against the hedonistic world's sinful lifestyles and evil practices? So saints, get ready for some tough times ahead. Now of course if you're living your spiritual life as a closet or cowardly Christian, the evil ruler of this world is not going to bother you. Just as with Christ, it's those faithful, John the Baptist-type Christians, that this wicked world hates. So here's another forewarning for the believers in the church. For the most part, this world has already accepted homosexual relationships as okay. However, shortly we'll start to see the church begin to soften up to the idea that it's of the Lord, or loving, for two men who truly love each other and who live in a monogamous relationship to be part of the church. The world quickly accepted these type of homosexual relationships. And unfortunately, the church is not far from accepting them too. In fact, numerous prominent Christian churches have already done that. Remember, our responsibility as believers is to love the sinner and hate the sin. Christ's words were that the end times would be just like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And with all the sexual debauchery that's going on today, we're definitely in those end times right now. In like manner, no-fault divorce made it very easy for married couples to get a divorce. No-fault divorce allowed for married couples to divorce each other for silly and superficial reasons. And sadly, as it does with a lot of the world's secular ways, it wasn't long before no-fault divorced people were accepted by the church. Instead of the church not accepting people in a church who no-fault divorced their spouses, which is an unbiblical type of divorce, The church not only welcomed in those no-fault divorced Christians, they allowed them to remarry, which is also a sin. The sanctity of marriage and the seriousness of being faithful to one's wedding vows is a thing of the past for even many in the church these days. I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction here. In spite of what many have those Pentecostal-like believers try telling you, all of God's people, regardless of what level of spiritual maturity or faithfulness or even repentance that they're at, they are still seen by God as sinners saved by grace. Brethren, just because believers have the title saint, i.e. holy or set-apart one, that does not mean that the Lord automatically sees us as living saintly. Christ told his followers in Matthew chapter 7, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give you what is good if you ask him? In and of myself, I know that I'm a dirty, filthy person. In the eyes of a holy and just God, that's a no-brainer. And the only reason that I I can even look good to God on the outside is because I'm wrapped in the beautiful blood of Christ. There are only two ways that a person can truly look good, i.e. pleasing to a holy and just God, and they both involve the precious blood of Christ. The first way that a person can please the Lord is when they, as a lost person, accept, i.e. receive or believe, the sacrifice of God's Son as the only means of having their sins forgiven. When a person truly believes the free gift, no works gospel of Christ, their sins are covered by the sin-cleansing blood of Christ. It pleases the Lord when lost people accept his Son as their Savior. The Bible says that the Lord takes no pleasure in the death of unsaved people. The second way that we can please the Lord is that after we get saved or born again, we choose to learn and then obey those biblical truths that our Heavenly Father wants us to do. Even though we might fall short, the Lord still expects us to get up and can keep moving forward and don't grow weary, doing good, be steadfast, and when we stumble and sin, we deal with those sins through the blood of Christ. Ephesians 5.8 through verse 10 says, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's a title, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. That's a verb. That's an action thing. We have to choose to do that. The verse goes on to tend to say, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, even when a person gets born again and genuinely commits to trying to walk in a way that pleases the Lord, in this life, they will never, in and of themselves, be able to faithfully and sinlessly serve the Lord perfectly 24-7. This is where the blood of Christ comes into play a second time. Our Heavenly Father knows that his children are basically sinners. And this may shock a lot of you, but God knows and expects us to sin. So this is why he created this amazing path of forgiveness and sin cleansing using the blood of Christ. Again, when we believers stumble in sin, our Heavenly Father expects us to confess our sin, i.e. admit we sin, and then repent of that, turn away from that sin, and he, the Lord, will apply the sin-cleansing power of Christ's blood to those sins and wiped them away. In my opinion, the Lord has three eternal judgment books that he keeps records in. Book number one, this book lists all the sins that each individual human has committed in their lifetime. That's every sin and deed and thought. That's a lot of sins. This eternal judgment book will be open when a lost person dies, and it will show them that they are a sinner who deserves to go to hell. It will show them that they have rejected their one path to get to heaven and decided to continue to live their life whatever way they wanted to. Many people who have their names in this book think that they could do good things or do righteous things or keep church sacraments to please the Lord. Now, some of those things are good to do, but they will not pay for sins. Again, when we understand how serious it is when we sin against a Holy God, at the judgment seat, you're going to know that you're going to pay the price for rejecting God's word. And that when His book is opened up for these lost people, they will see for themselves just how guilty they are and were of sinning against the holy and just creator God. Now, I believe book number two has the names of all those who genuinely accept Christ as their savior, which requires knowing and believing that Christ's sacrifice and his sacrifice alone is the only way that a person can have their sins forgiven. This book is the Lamb's Book of Life, and it has the names of everyone who gets saved in it. Now, here's an important side note. I've shared this before. I've taught about this many times. I believe that the only way for a true born-again child of God to have their name erased from the Lamb's Book of Life is if they publicly deny or reject the Christ that they once professed to believe in. Yes, God will allow born-again children to walk away from their saving faith. God doesn't interfere with our free will. Now, when I say reject or deny one's faith, I'm not talking about a believer going carnal. I'm talking about a believer who chooses to no longer believe that Christ is their Savior. Matthew 10, 32, everyone who acknowledged me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. And whoever denies me, I will deny them before my Heavenly Father. Now, this judgment can be both for the believer who chooses to walk away from their faith and reject Christ, and also for the cowardly believer who's ashamed to tell people that he's a believer. Again, I did an entire podcast on this topic of believers walking away from the faith. Please check it out. Now, book number three is an important one, too. This last eternal book is God's reward or lack of rewards book. This is the book that the Lord puts all the notes in about how well his children walk with him. This book lists all the good and bad things that his children do. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For all believers must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us can receive what is due us for the things we have done in the body, whether they were good or bad. Now, this is the book that's going to be open at the judgment seat of Christ, which is a reward judgment for God's children. Brethren, this is also the book where the Lord keeps track of those sins that his born-again eternally saved blood-bought children commit against him. Yes, contrary to what many of you are taught, God's children will sin after they're born again. And yes, contrary to what many of you are taught, our Heavenly Father keeps track of his children's disobedience to his commandments, which is sin. So how this book works is that when we sin against our Heavenly Father, he writes down that sin in this reward book in this Lamb of God book. Now, what's great about the blood of Christ is it didn't stop having sin-cleansing power after our initial salvation. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and 9. If we walk in the light, notice that. That's a condition. That's a qualification for getting forgiveness. It says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and forgive us our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now these verses are written to born-again believers. But please understand the significance of we need to be walking in the light. I'm not going to get into it. I did a podcast on this. But this means you can't be wallowing in unrepentant sin not having an attitude of wanting to deal with your sins, maybe enjoying your sins, and thinking you can just come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness for, let's just say, your sin of adultery. Just because you're a child of God, you think God should forgive you. It's not going to. If we walk in the light, that means if we're walking in the light it means we're, we have an attitude of doing the things that please the Lord. Again, now these verses, as all, all verses in the church epistles, are instructions for people who are already born again. So continuing on about how the rewards book work is that when we sin against our Heavenly Father, he writes our sin in his Lamb's book of life. However, if we confess, i.e. acknowledge to him that we have sinned, and then repent, which means to turn away from that sin, the sin-cleansing blood of Christ is applied to that sin, at which time our Heavenly Father erases or blots out that sin we had committed. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked, but brethren, this sin cleansing process that the Lord has created for His children means that even though we're all sinners and even though we will sin a lot, we can't literally stand in the presence of the Lord on Judgment Day because of the sin cleansing blood of Christ and be seen as holy and blameless as far as our sin goes. Now, this Lamb's Book of Life reward book will have other information in it other than just the sins we've committed. This reward book will also have a listing of all the things that we did for the Lord believing that they were for the Lord or of the Lord. Now, now this sounds all nice and righteous. However, there are going to be some things or some teachings or some traditions or some ideas, et cetera, et cetera, that we thought we were doing for the Lord when, in fact, those things or those teachings or those ideas or traditions were not stuff that pleased the Lord. You see, brethren, having good intentions doesn't mean it's pleasing to God. So what I'm going to read next is a glimpse of what's going to be going on at the judgment seat of Christ. The Judgment Seat of Christ, again, is a reward judgment and not a salvation judgment. The salvation judgment takes place at the Great White Throne Judgment, and that book shows up, that's the the first book I was talking about. So all true born-again believers, except those who publicly deny Christ as their Savior, will be at the Judgment Seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.11 For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Yeshua Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials— Gold, silver, jewels, wood, and straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. And the fire will show if a believer's work has any value. If the work survives, that believer will receive a reward. But if the work is burnt up, that believer will suffer great loss. But the builder or believer will be saved, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. All believers will be a work in progress until we get to the other side where we get our new sinless, yay, glorified bodies. Until then, we're all sinners saved by grace who are expected to deal with their sins as they walk the talk. If you've been faithful and listening to this long, then I know that you too are part of the remnant believers who love pleasing the Lord more than pleasing your family members or your church buddies or even your shepherds. If you truly are a remnant believer, then you too love the truths of scriptures more than the things or the ways of this world. You'll know that you're part of the remnant when you see not only lost people despising you, but also many of God's people. You see, they loved Christ when he fed and healed them, but they hated him when he started teaching them the truths that they did not want to hear. 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, we don't suffer a lot of persecution in America yet, but it's coming, saints. You get ready for it. And this coming persecution is going to separate the girly men of God from the true men or women of the Lord. If you're a professing believer in Christ and you're not feeling the heat or not getting shunned by lukewarm believers or are part of the church clique, you're not walking to talk. Sorry. It's a promise from Christ that if you're being faithful, you will be hated. Now, I knew when I started these podcasts that I was not going to get hundreds of thousands of followers simply because most born-again believers simply aren't interested in sound Bible doctrine these days. Again, I'm not purposely saying that to be mean. It's just a fact. Brethren, contrary to what many of you are taught, speaking the biblical truth in love very seldom involves kissing and hugging. Yeshua Christ spoke the truth all the time. Find me one spot in the Gospels where he put his arm around one of his mumbling, bumbling disciples and told them, that's okay. After all, no one is perfect. We all make mistakes. No, he always rebuked them. He expected more, especially from the Jews. They were supposed to be the keepers of God's word. They were supposed to know God's word. In fact, Christ was more gracious with the Gentiles he met than the Jews who professed to be his followers. Sometimes speaking the truth in love is going to hurt before it helps. 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 20, those believers who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, 34, do not be misled, brethren, bad company corrupts good morals. Come back to your senses as you ought to stop sinning, for there are some of you who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. 2 Thessalonians three fourteen. If any believer does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that brother or sister and do not associate with them so that they will be put to shame. Now, I get it. There is a time and a place and a situation where a believer should put their arms around another believer hoping to encourage them. And there are times and situations where a wise and mature believer might choose to soften their words and attempt to win a soul over to Christ. But let's be biblically honest. Christ himself... Who is our example to follow? After spent a lot of time directing words like snake, whitewash tombs, hypocrites, children of the devil, blind fools, etc., 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 towards compromised religious people, brethren. Please listen to me. All of God's children are going to give an account to Yeshua Christ at the judgment seat of Christ for everything they have claimed to have done for the Lord. And at this judgment seat of Christ, every born again child of God is going to give an account for those things that they should have did but did not do. Now this is just my opinion, but I believe that the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord Himself will have our version of whatever Bible we use to read or study God's word laid out in front of us. And he's going to ask us to show him. In those scriptures, why we believed what we believed about God and His written word, and why we believed what we did in Christ's name was biblical. John twelve forty eight He who rejects me and does not receive my saying has one who judges him. The word which I spoke is what will be the judgment for him on the last day, brethren. We get one shot at this. There's not going to be any do overs in heaven. How we live our life and serve the Lord in this life is what's going to matter in the next life. And trust me. It's not going to matter to God that we're simply born again. As I share quite often in my podcast, it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish it when it comes to the Lord's judgment seat. He's going to determine how well you walk the talk. And for some people, they don't get many years, and then they die. Maybe maybe they're persecuted, martyred, they die. Other believers live a long time. They have a lot of years to serve the Lord. They have a lot of years to know their scriptures, to learn the scriptures and obey them. But again, when we get to the other side, it's all over. Our opportunities to do those things that please God are done. We're going to step into eternity with what we knew about the Bible, how faithful we were about the Bible, on how well we pleased the Lord. And that's what we're going to be judged for at the judgment seat of Christ. Your dear friend in Christ, Brother Bob. And remember, the only way to separate biblical lies or biblical re- religious gibberish from sound biblical truth is to know your scriptures. And that means not just to know how to read them. That means you have to know how to spiritually discern what you're reading so you can separate truth from religious junk.